Welcome to the Poetry on Fire Fall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. The red letter basics. Examining the Word of God, an example of the Book of Acts Church, to discover how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we discover the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. The Porch is an online community of believers restoring the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence that the early church had. Church age is still in effect, folks. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. Go to onsolomonsporch.org to connect with us there, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. Contact us there as well. Let us know if you have a need, prayer request, praise report. Maybe you're enjoying the Bible studies and learning stuff. Uh, a little uh, encouragement doesn't help. We love hearing from you. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio. Using the Spreaker app, you'll always know when we're on the air or posted a new show. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can join us there. And we are archived here for download and listen immediately after the Bible study. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio, and more to come. I've not heard back from Amazon as yet. If you want to support what we do, there are ways to do that, starting with the PayPal link at the bottom of the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. You can also use the Venmo app, which is easier to use, less fees. We're found on Venmo as at Firefall Media Group, all one word, uppercase on the F, the M, and the G. And we appreciate each and every one of you that support what we do. And I want you to know that we pray for you and keep you in our prayers as I see the notifications come in. I offer up a prayer. And so give us the Lord leads. Help us to get the word out there. And uh, that's about it. If you if you don't want to hear the community part of the porch, jump directly to the chapter marked Shofar and go right into the lesson. Well, Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, has passed. I was this weekend, September 19th. Uh, yesterday was the first day of fall. We've entered the autumnal equinox period. We're in a new season, a new cycle. Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, Sunday, September 27th. We'll end on the Monday, the evening of September 28th, a time of refraining from work on the Sabbath. Now, we, as believers in Yeshua, are already marked in the book of life. We are made righteous by Yeshua, and our blessings come from our blood-bought relationship with him to the Father. However, we can also use this 10-day period to reflect on our lives, repent of any of the things that we've done that are out of his will and not what he wants, not his best for us, and realign our lives with what he wants. And I find it really interesting that it's about being made righteous, and uh, that's part of the message tonight. The Lord has a way of doing that. And then October the 3rd through the 9th, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacle. So keep praying for breakthrough blessings. Well, I praise the Lord for my home. My wife, my family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, grandsons, our furry kids, and everything he's given us. All good things come from God. All good things come from above. I praise him for his protection over all of us. That Psalm 91 covering I talk about and have taught on. That even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of what the enemy is doing out there, 
He is our shield. He's the shield about us, the glory and the lifter of our head. Praise him for the ministry that he allows me to work, for the dreams and the visions and everything going on right now in that regard. I praise him for the healing virtues that are still available to us. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't speak lack of faith. Don't curse yourself by your words. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be in accordance with his word. I praise him for being able to praise him no matter what. If the fig tree fail to blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I praise him even in the night, even in the midst of the storm. I will rejoice in him. Praise him for his favor and the revelation and everything he's been sharing with us, being a new creation, being able to serve him in these prophetic times. Praise him for America, even with everything going on. I still praise him that we live here and we, we have the freedom to worship him for the signs he's getting ready to return. And I won't say it's tomorrow, I won't say it's next day. I really don't know. But what I do know is the clock is ticking and things are falling into place. So just be prepared. Keep an eye on the sky and an eye on the job. Let's pray for the Middle East. Pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. A lot of peace deals being cut, a lot of things going on. But on the other side of that, and uh, Israel's cutting deals and inviting in her enemies. So we definitely have to keep praying. Psalm 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. And Lord, we want to be blessed. We want to prosper because we love you. We love your children. We love your city. We love your church, Lord. And so we just pray for that. Praying for America and its leaders and its citizens during this time of unrest and turmoil, praying for all the evil to be exposed and dealt with, every hidden thing be brought out into the light of truth. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, the slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb, both human and animal. I, I, I say it every week, we have not been good stewards of his creation. We've not done what he said we were supposed to do. We claim that we are a nation that belongs to the Lord, yet we still sanction and support the murder of babies in the womb. Pray for missing and exploited children. I pray for them to be rescued and be brought home to their families and loved ones, the victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking, and that demonic, satanic business, billion-dollar business, that needs to be shut down and everybody who's a part of it uh, dealt with. For our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. You have to be living under a rock to know that religious persecution for, for Christians and Jews and the anti-Semitic spirit is growing. We know that it's the spirit of the Antichrist that's behind it. We've seen it before. So we have to deal with it. We have to pray. We have to stand. We have to understand where we are in the timeline. Praying for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. I've taught this and I've shared it. Every fourth day, a cell in your body dies and a new cell is replaced. And it replaces it with a cell that is a copy of the one before it. Well, what if we prayed no more damaged cells, no more cells that are broken or dysfunctional or the programming is wrong, whether from natural or supernatural or ancestral reasons? What if we start praying that every new cell that gets replaced goes back to our divine design, goes back to what his intention was for us? That's my prayer, and that's my prayer for you. Praying for 
healing. My wife, Deb, and others that deal with some challenges and injuries. He's a miraculous God. So in the name of Yeshua, let those areas be healed, restored, knitted back together. Let bone be replaced. Lord, you can do it. You can change us. You can heal us and glorify yourself through us. Praying for the protection I've mentioned, that Psalm 91 covering inspiration for the remnant. That's who I'm talking to. I don't, do not believe a traditional church wants to hear what I have to say. They just want tradition, and they want to play church. They don't want to be the church. Praying for the remnant to wake up, to rise up, answer the call to action. Whatever your calling is, fulfill it. It's needed. It may not be glamorous. It may not be get you noted. But you're not earning rewards here. Your rewards are in heaven. He knows. And if he gave you whatever ability, do it. Also praying that those who have been blessed would be a blessing. Firefall, SRT, the porch. We have needs. We have desires. We have dreams and visions that I, we believe are of the Lord. And it's going to take a massive influx of divine blessings that can only come through people. Manna no longer falls from heaven, and if millions of dollars suddenly miraculously appeared on a bank account, the federal government would probably want to know why. And I'm not sure they would believe the God thing. So we're just praying for people to do what they've been called to do, that the open conduits of the blessings to fund the dreams, the visions, and the missions, that we can become highly mobile, highly effective, get out there, destroy the work of the enemy, set the captives free, and raise up others to do the same. We're going to drive. We're not going to fly. Nobody's sitting on a plane for three to four to five hours wearing a mask. Um, We know that that what we're doing is needed. So pray with us, stand in agreement with us for that to happen. Continue to pray for the divine favor and legal matters that seem to drag on. Um, We know that's how the system works, but we're just calling for God to override this system and for our lost family members to get saved. Kim and Fort Mitchell just sent out a quick unspoken prayer request, so please keep her and her family in your prayers. Father, we just come to you right now. We come to you as your sons and your daughters. We come to you as your children. No matter how old we are, we're just your kids. And we're asking you for favor. We're asking you for divine abiding favor. We're asking you to bless us, protect us, Lord, because we love you, Father. We love you with all of our heart, all of our might, all of our soul, mind, and strength. We love you. And some of us have been damaged with earthly fathers And we love you sometimes as much as we're humanly able, and we want to be able to love you more. We want to know you more. You've given us Yeshua. He paid the price for us. And he's allowed us to sit with him, to sit with you. And I think that's pretty cool. Well, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb in the upper room. We just thank you for you, that you did this. You paid the price. You restored us in right relationship to our Heavenly Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who reminds us of your words and your teachings and reminds us of you and lets us feel you in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, our souls, and our spirits. So, Holy Spirit, right now, we take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah. We claim the mind of Messiah. We cast down any vain and every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Abba Father. Open our hearts, open our eyes. Let us hear what you want us to hear. Let us learn what you want us to learn. But most of all, be glorified in everything we say and do tonight. 
And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've been starting out with Matthew six nineteen through 9 through 13, I'm sorry, 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer, because we're talking about the kingdom. We're still talking about the kingdom. Tonight we're talking about kingdom living. And that prayer is an activation. It's an activation of the kingdom. Basically, what you're saying is this. Our Abba Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come and rule on earth as it does in heaven. Give us our daily bread like the manna in the wilderness and the living bread of Yeshua. Forgive us as we forgive others and let go of debts and any resentment we have against others. Lead us away from the snares and temptation of the evil one's kingdom. For yours is the kingdom we seek, and its power and its glory forever. Amen. The kingdom of God, that's what we seek. We seek his rule, his power, and his glory in our life. That dominion, that control over all things, that authority over all things in heaven and on earth as it pertains to to us, his church, that dunamis power, that explosive dynamic power of the Holy Spirit, received through Pentecost, passed down from, from the upper room to the apostles, to the believers, and it just keeps going. It hasn't stopped. It's still being passed down. It's still being activated. The upper room was the activation of a new spiritual and supernatural paradigm. We're still living in it. The glory, the physical manifestation of the divine presence of God, which we've been able to obtain through Messiah Yeshua. And we are transformed day by day as we bask in that glory, as we sit in it, as we praise in it, as we worship in it, as we study in it. And we want that. We don't want that just now. We want it in the age to come. We want it forever and eternally. And when you get your glorified body, it'll be so much easier. But here we are on this world, on this planet, in this terrestrial human body. But that's not what we want. We want to live the life of promise. We want his best for us. So we look for the blessed hope of his return so that that can happen. But until then, we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things that we need will be added unto us. Matthew six thirty-three. 
Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek, aim, strive after the kingdom first, nothing else, the kingdom of God. Not the kingdoms of this world, not the kingdom of the fallen, but the kingdom of God. And seek his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And all the things that you need taken together will be given to you beside that tremendous blessing. Food, shelter, clothing, blessings, peace. They're all a byproduct of the kingdom of God. Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Well, first of all, fret causes harm, so stop that. And if those things are happening, it means you have set your mind on something other than the kingdom of God. Set your mind on things above. You're staring at the news. You're staring at social media. You're you're being manipulated into a response, and it's not a godly one. Seeking the kingdom of God above all else. When you do that, you overcome the struggle to exist in a fallen world. Freedom from worry, which comes from a sincere faith in God's overruling providence, comes from being kingdom citizens. Remember, your citizenship is not from here, it's from above. And when you stay within that kingdom, you have diplomatic immunity, but the enemy tricks us into coming outside of that. But let me tell you this. Freedom is freedom. Oh, I know that sounds really redundant. Redundant. Freedom is freedom. John eight thirty four and 36. Yeshua said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So, if the Son, capital S, sets you free, you are truly free. You are free indeed. If the Son liberates you, makes you a free person, then you are really and unquestionably free. That's his declaration. That's his royal decree over you. If he has set you free, then you are truly free. Stop falling into the trap of this world. You're free from sin. You're free from the the curse of sin and death. You are set free of the bonds of this world, of being a captive of the fallen and the God of this world. You've been transferred from one kingdom into another. But herein lies the problem. This is why kingdom living, I see, has become so much of a struggle for believers. Go with me to Romans 6, starting with verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness." I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading more to lawlessness, so now you present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then of the things which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death? For having now been set free from sin 
having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness in the end, everlasting life. For the wages, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. You're a slave to righteousness now. You're a slave to Yeshua. You're a slave to God. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with being a slave to the world. Because if I'm a slave to the world, then I'm under the control of Hasatan, Satan, and the fallen and their offspring. If you choose to live and walk in a fallen world, the payment, the rent for living there is death. Think about that. People that don't want to be saved, don't want to live the the kingdom life, want to be in bed with the world, literally and figuratively, want to live by the ways of the world, there's a payment for that. There's rent due, and that due is death. Eternal separation from the Father. That's why Paul encouraged the church in Galatia to walk in the Spirit. I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Galatians five sixteen through 26 is directly related to kingdom living. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, the produce, the outcome of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who are messiahs have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I said this, I've learned more about kingdom living, the kingdom of God over this last year. And I know it's not like I haven't been studying. But he was building upon what I knew, precept upon precept, line upon line. He was building to get me to this place that entering in and walking in that kingdom and staying there will become much easier. 1 John chapter 3, starting verse 6. Whoever abides in him takes permanent residence in Yeshua, does not sin. And whoever sins, willfully sins, has neither seen him or known him. Well, that's pretty basic. Let little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy 
the works of the devil. All the works of the devil, folks, anything that he does, we can categorize it in sin. We can put it in the folder called sin. It'll have other aspects. It'll be, it'll be colorful. It'll be gross. It'll be disgusting. It'll be so many things and so many different ways to do it, but it's all sin. It separates you from God. Verse 9 of 1 John 3, Whoever is born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. It could have said, In this, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness are exposed, made seen. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. 1 John chapter 2, this was built on a previous statement in chapter 2 of 1 John verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And so this was the scripture. Every week he inspires me with the scripture. He takes me to a place in his word and then he builds around it. So this was the scripture this week got triggered by. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The amplified version of that is, after all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes, but instead it is righteousness that state which makes a person acceptable to God and heartfelt peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He who serves Messiah in this way is acceptable and pleasing to God and is approved by men. I mean, you don't have man's approval, but it turns out without wanting to, they approve of you, they like you. So the kingdom of God, this kingdom we're talking about, the one that I am so earnestly trying to pull you into to get you out of the kingdom of this world, get you out of social media, get you out of the things that muddy your mind and and splatter dirt on your soul. I'm trying to pull you out of that kingdom permanently. You're walking in both places and you're wobbling and don't understand why you can't stay upright spiritually. The kingdom of God does not consist of meat and drink and outward religion. It consists of three basic basic things. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So what is righteousness? According to Holman Bible Dictionary, righteousness means uprightness in the sense of adherence or conformity to an established norm. In the biblical usage, Righteousness is rooted in covenants and relationships. For the biblical authors, righteousness is the fulfillment of the terms of a covenant between God and humanity, or even between humans in the full range of human relationships. Now, how can you do that? Well, under the law, you could never do it. And I really don't think he ever intended for them to do it under the law. The law was a foreshadowing. It was an example. It was the only thing he could do with a people that did not have a spirit inside of them that could adhere to his guidelines. So he gave them an external rules of do's and don'ts. 
But it was just the foreshadowing of what would come under the new covenant under Yeshua. Go with me to Romans 3, verse 21 through 31. I hope you're doing this. I hope you're opening your Bible. I hope you're downloading these things, listening to them again, taking notes, because I move pretty fast. I've had people tell me that. By the time I get to the scripture, you tell me you're on to the next scripture. Uh, Sorry. That's why you can download these. That's why you can listen to them again. You can stop them and take notes. Um, Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Messiah Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. And that's the ultimate thing. We want to live in the glory. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Messiah Yeshua. Whom God set forth as a propitiation or a payment, a final payment by his blood through faith. To demonstrate his righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate that at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Yeshua. So where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. See, this is why the children of Israel couldn't get it and this is still why people today can't get it. It's by the law of faith. We conclude that a man is justified by faith, of course, in the faith in the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? No. Is he also not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Now, here's a question that Paul asked in Romans 3.31 that everybody who tries to live under law should really pay attention to. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Legalism is not of the Holy Spirit. We could never have fulfilled all the requirements in the law. If you fail one, you fail them all. Nobody. But Yeshua could have done it, and that's why he was the lamb. That's why it was his blood that rebooted the whole thing, undid what Adam had done. The righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confident reliance on Jesus the Messiah, on Yeshua HaMashiach, and it is meant for all who believe. There is no distinction. All are justified and made upright in right standing with God, freely and gratuitously by his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption which has been provided in Messiah Yeshua. Why? It was to demonstrate and prove that at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous him who has true faith in Yeshua. Israel couldn't do that. They didn't have the spirit for it. 
So they needed an external set of rules to set an example for them to abide by. It was external and it was not internal. It took the arrival of the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb, to change that. Because we had to be changed from the inside out. But the Father is now ready to declare His readiness to impart His righteousness by faith to those who are repentant, those who can now be justified by His grace because it comes from the heart, not from the mind. The law is in the heart. Grace, what I'm talking about, laws in the mind, grace, and, and what I'm talking about comes from the heart. Romans 8, 4, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So that was righteousness. What's the other one? Peace. Holman Bible the Dictionary says, peace is a sense of well-being and fulfillment that comes from God and is dependent on His presence. It's wholeness. It's well-being. Throughout the Old Testament, spiritual peace is realized in relationship. It's realized when people are rightly related to each other and to God. Isaiah 26.3 You, meaning God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 52.7 How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvations, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Psalm 4, verse 8, I will lie down in peace and sleep, for you, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. New Testament peace is something different. The Greek word irene corresponds to the Hebrew shalom. Expressing the idea of peace, well-being, restoration, reconciliation with God, and salvation in its fullest sense. Because God is what? He's the God of peace. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body. I put the word whole in front of each one. Whole spirit, whole soul, whole body. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord, of Adonai Yeshua, Mashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. He's the God of peace. Again, Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus, Yeshua, from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. How? How do we have that? We have it by the gospel of peace from the Prince of Peace. There was an outcome, there was an intention to the Great Commission to spread the peace, to bring peace into a world to a people that did not have it. What's the final element? Joy. Holman Bible Dictionary says, Joy is the happy state that results from knowing and serving God. A number of Greek and Hebrew words are used in the Bible to convey the ideas of joy and rejoicing. The two are interchangeable. 
We have the same situation in English with nearly synonymous words as joy, happiness, pleasure, delight, gladness, merriment, enjoyment. The words joy and rejoice are the words most used to translate the Hebrew and Greek words into English. The concept, the word of joy, is found 150 times in the Bible. If we add such words as joyous and joyful, the number goes over 200. The verb rejoice appears well over 200 times. I guess there must be a message in the New Testament about joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Always I say, rejoice. But joy is also contingent upon right relationship with God. It's the fruit of that relationship. It's not something you can create on your own through your own efforts. Therein lies the problem with many people in the kingdom. They're trying to find joy through other people. They're trying to find joy through what they do. They're trying to find joy through all these things except their relationship with him. Isaiah 65, 18, But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. That's why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It is the linchpin of joy for the earth. Romans 5.11, And not only that, we also rejoice in God through Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, through whom we have now received what? Reconciliation, right relationship. Galatians 5.22, as I read before, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's a byproduct of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's why he sent him back. He didn't send him back to put on a show. He didn't send him back so that you could be entertained on whatever day you fellowship with others. There was going to be a byproduct of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Joy inexpressible brings the fullness of his glory. John seventeen thirteen. But now I have come to you in these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He's speaking to the Father. Here in John fifteen eleven, he's talking to them, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Well, okay, if if it's your joy remaining in me and my joy is full, then my, I'm filled with you. How are we not getting this? Why are we not seeing this? John sixteen twenty two. Therefore now you have sorrow about him going, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy I'm talking to you about is not of this world, can't be found in this world. Nothing in this world will create the kind of joy I'm speaking about. It's not about being happy. It's about being joyful in him. The, the cross was horrific. It was bloody. It was barbaric. But the end result of the cross is joy. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I know our natural mind gets kind of overwhelmed, short circuits when you're trying to reconcile the two. Stop looking at righteousness, peace, and joy from an earthly perspective. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart and your mind to see things with his eyes. The reason some of you are on roller coasters of emotions, first of all, get off the roller coaster. I don't care how many free passes you got and how much you like roller coasters. Get off the roller coasters. Stop. You're on that roller coaster by choice because you're functioning on what you see. You're walking by sight and not by faith. He creates joy. When they saw him again in Luke 24, verse 51, 52, and it occurred that while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. And they, worshiping him, went back to Jerusalem with great joy. The Lord is our object of loving worship. And in that worship and relationship with him, we find our joy. I'm going to be honest with you. You will never find that kind of joy in a person. People will always fail you. People will always let you down. They will never live up to your expectations. Only he will. But if your mind and heart is set on him, when people fail you, it won't have the effect on you it's had in the past. He has to be the core. He has to be the center. Your life and every aspect of your life must revolve around him. The Bible talks about great joy, which comes from being focused on him. And the outcome of knowing him. We see that in Acts chapter 8. Starting verse 5, Philip the deacon went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to the people. And great crowds of people with one accord listened and heeded to what was said by Philip. As they heard him and watched the miracles and wonders which he kept performing. For foul spirits came out of many who were possessed by them, screaming and shouting with a loud voice. Many who were suffering from palsy or were crippled were restored to health. And there was great joy. There was great rejoicing in that city. The outward manifestation of the kingdom of God in a fallen world is joy. When you manifest the kingdom, when you start to live the life that I've been talking to you about all these weeks and months, you will inspire joy. When you give somebody a word in due season and it answers something or fills in a blank or helps them get over a hurdle or helps them get a better relationship with the Lord, bing, joy, byproduct. I don't know if you'll get the bing, but I just threw it in there. 2 Corinthians five seventeen and 18. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Messiah Yeshua, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. When you made him Lord of your life, from, spoke from your mouth, believed in your heart. When you became born again, 
you became a new creation. You want to know why you don't feel that way? You want to know why you keep getting pulled back into old relationships or dysfunctional situations? You want to know why that you just can't get free of the old life? It's because you're letting it pull you back. It doesn't want to let you go. At some point, if you're on that back and forth, back and forth situation, you have got to make a choice and say, no, I'm not going back. I am living in the freedom of being a new creation. That person no longer exists. That person no longer is a slave to sin and death. I am a new creation. 1 Peter 1, 8, 9, though you do not see him, Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I'm in no way, shape, or form am I saying this is easy. I'm saying it's possible. I'm saying he has laid out the framework and the guidelines for it to happen. Do I live in it all the time? No. I let I let the things of this world upset me. I let things happen that pull me out of the joy, out of the peace. And then I regret it and I repent and I praise or pray or do whatever I can to get back into it. I understand why I'm here. I understand why we're here. But this is not my home. The world system is not, I don't belong to it. It doesn't like me. It doesn't like you. If it needs me, it'll tolerate me. But if it could, it would forget me completely. And I'm okay with that. I just want to serve him. I want to further the kingdom. I want to set the captives free. I want to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I want to live out Luke 4.18. I want to destroy the work of the enemy. I want to kick down the gates. Set the captives free. See, kingdom living, if you really want to be alive, kingdom living is about furthering the kingdom of God in a fallen world and activating that ministry of reconciliation I just spoke about in 2 Corinthians 5.18. It's about living what the Lord said in Matthew 13.44, the kingdom of heaven, which is just another term for the kingdom of God, is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, goes out and sells all that he has and buys that field. Religion doesn't bring you joy. Legalism doesn't bring you joy. How many happy people have you seen in a legalistic church? I see people that have been baptized in pickle juice. Not very many happy people. Some of these preachers that are not spirit-filled and who denounce those of us who are, I don't don't see a whole lot of joy. I don't see a whole lot of fruit of the Spirit. I see some very angry, judgmental people. That's not the God that's going to change this world. That's not the image that's going to change this world. People want relationship, and, and relationship that is acted upon and lived out brings joy. It brings righteousness. It brings peace. What about the shepherds in the field who their lives they'd been taught about were awaiting the promise of Messiah? Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Luke 10. 
Matthew 2.10, they saw the star and rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Why? They'd been waiting for it. They'd been waiting for this gift. This joy filled their heart. They didn't want to be the way they were, and they knew that Messiah, even in their limited understanding, would change that. The resurrection of the crucified Messiah brought joy. Matthew 28.8, so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. We need a little bit of that. We need a little bit of righteous, awesome fear, but great joy at the outcome of it. We've lost respect for our Heavenly Father. We've lost respect for the Lord. The world has none, and I'm not surprised when they blaspheme his name or they make fun of him in TV and movies or politics or the news or whatever. I'm not surprised by that. The fallen run that world. Satan runs that world. He's the God of this world. I'm disturbed when I see Christian supposed believers do it. Remember Luke 24, 15, they worshipped him and returned returned to Jerusalem with great joy after he ascended and sat at the right hand of the Father. They, They weren't even filled with the Holy Spirit yet. They didn't completely understand what was going on. They just remembered what he said. How much more was that joy magnified with the infilling of the Holy Spirit when they began to have understanding of what was going on. What about the conversion of Gentiles? Acts 15, chapter chapter 15, verses 2 and 3. Paul and Barnabas uh, argued with the, the Jerusalem council. The church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about what had just happened. What had just happened was Gentiles were being converted. And when they heard it, much to everyone's joy, what about the Philippian jailer in Acts 16? When he had brought them into his house and set food before them, he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. He rejoiced because he'd been set free by someone he kept prisoner. He was the real prisoner. I remember the moment I got saved. It'll be 32 years in in like a week or so, two weeks. I still remember the moment of getting set free. I remember the joy. I remember the lightness. I remember the freedom that came from it. Joy in our life is in direct proportion as we walk with the Lord. Let me say this again. If you're lacking joy in your life, I can almost guarantee you're spending little to no time with him. Joy is a byproduct. It's a fruit of a spirit-led life. And the sin and the darkness and the degradation of this world robs you of joy if that's all you surround yourself with, if that's all you, you put into your mind and your eyes and your heart. I can look at what's going on in the world through a kingdom filter. 
I can see it through how it applies to prophecy, how it applies to eschatology, how it applies to my calling and what it is I need to do and what the Lord's talking to me about that. But I look at this world and the things in this world and everything through a kingdom of God filter. If you don't do that, you're going to be overwhelmed by it. You're going to be overwhelmed by the degradation and the grossness and the barbarism and the depravity. When I hear about human trafficking, when I hear about what's being done to children, even babies, I could easily become angry enough to want to do something in the natural, but I have to see it through the fact that we live in a fallen world. The enemy rules. He has the right to do certain things. Therefore, I must pray and do whatever the Lord tells me to do in that regard. Maybe even support somebody financially that's out there doing something about it. But I have to see everything through the kingdom of God. I said this scripture before without telling you what it was. Philippians 4.4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom life, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. It's the gospel. It's being born again. It's being redeemed. It's being reconciled and restored into right relationship with your Abba Father. You know, the one we started out by praying to and talking to and, and, and getting emotional with is by living and walking in and walking with the Holy Spirit. The dynamics of the relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is what keeps you locked into the kingdom. So that when the enemy's pulling on you or sets a trick hook on you and trying to pull your feet out from under you, you are so caught up in the kingdom of God that it doesn't work. This is why the Lord said to them in John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, you know, the one that I'm talking about that's keeping you in the kingdom, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Kingdom living is about being totally immersed and committed to the kingdom of God through your relationship with the Lord. Having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. 1 Peter 1, 23. To do that, you must be born again. Religion and human effort won't get you into the kingdom. Remember what he said to Nicodemus, John 3, I, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Don't be deceived. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as the Lord is righteous. 1 John 
1-800-227-5837. Come on, folks, this is not that hard. We've made it difficult. We've made this difficult when it's so easy. As little children, we don't have to tell children how to breathe or blink their eyes or swallow because it's natural to them. It's instinctive. It's what's been designed into their nature. What I'm talking about has been designed into us, and the world and the worldly systems and our upbringing and false teachings have interfered with it. Let's get back to the simplicity of it. Let's get to the, back to the basics. Titus 2, 2, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And we need his help to do that. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. You want to get people saved, healed, and delivered? You won't have to do it if you, if, with words if you're living this life. If they see something in you that they don't have, righteousness, peace, and joy, wholeness, health, love. If they see the the fruit of the Spirit, they're going to want it. Can't tell you how many people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. They're tired of being preached at. They're tired about read a book. Oh, read the book of John. No, no, no. Let them read the book of John later. Good book. I think they should read it. But you, you be a living witness. You minister to them. You help hold their hand and walk them into the kingdom. Father, we love you. We want to dwell permanently with you. We want to walk and live uprightly and blamelessly with you. We want to work rightness and justness and speak the truth from our heart. We don't want to be like this world and slander with the tongue or be evil or or look upon things with an evil eye or an eye of this world. But we want to honor you. We want to revere you. We want to worship you. Even if it means swearing to our own hurt and not changing, but doing it anyway, no matter what it costs us. We can't be bribed by this world. We can't be bribed by Satan and the fallen. Because you said, whoever does these things shall never be moved. You said that in Psalm 15, 1 through 5. That's what we want. We don't want to be moved. We want our feet in the kingdom of God. We want to live it. We want to walk it. We want to talk it. We want to see it. We want to breathe it. We want to be your ambassadors in a fallen world, not bound by the rule of this world, by the rule of Satan, by the rule of the fallen, but by being living witnesses, lightness in the dark, salt to the earth, to to that which is needed. So, Lord, we give you the honor right now. Let your Holy Spirit reign in our lives. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Change us. Heal us. Deliver us. Let his words come forth and plant us. Root us in the kingdom of God. We want kingdom living. I pray this in Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.